Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Brew and Dash, the UCLA football show on Dash Sports TV. My name is Sam Conan, one of your hosts, joined once again by Jack Perez. Jack, how are you today? Uh, I'm glad to be here with you, Sam, but not feeling great overall. Yeah, it's a pretty common mood, I would say, in the, the UCLA sphere. Um, we'll be talking about the loss, the uh, the blown lead, 18-point blown lead to USC, end up losing 43-38 to at the Rose Bowl. It was a chaotic game, a lot of mayhem, a lot of ups and downs. We'll break it down for you. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, he had four touchdowns, over 360 passing yards. Jack and I will break down how he played on Saturday night. And then UCLA against Stanford. It's happening. The Week 7 pseudo-regular season game, the, the crossover north-south game, that's happening this coming Saturday. It was announced yesterday, so we'll be taking a look at that as well. So if you have any thoughts on any of those topics, feel free to join along if you're watching live and leave any thoughts, questions, concerns in the comments, and we'll get around to those. But starting out with that USC game, UCLA was up 28-10 to 10 after the first drive of the third quarter, and then everything hit the fan, went out of control, they hit a go-ahead field goal. Thought they were going to win. Kick returns, not hand, not taking timeouts, whatever it was. It was messy, and it was a lot. Jack, give me your thoughts on the game. I mean, it was just so disappointing from so many angles. The first, first of all, the defense has been so good all year long. Even in that first game against Colorado, it was really the offense's fault that the defense gave up so many points through the turnovers. Then against Cal, ASU, Arizona, the defense looked strong. They looked like a unit that was really that really come together after a tough season last year and looked like maybe not the best team out there, maybe not the best defensive unit in the country, but a top 50 unit, which paired with this offense is great. You don't need a outstanding world beating defense from UCLA. You just need a, a, a good one, someone that's competent. And against USC, they looked like the, the UCLA defense of old. Like you said, they forced Slovis into two picks and they, they did, they, had was it six tackles for loss three sacks right about where they were averaging on the season per game maybe a little bit worse but they were they were kind of getting into the backfield it was all right but that run defense uh was really the one that took a hit uh, you had Malpai for usc who had 110 yards on 19 carries and the thing is his long was 19 yards it's not like he broke out a big one and that just inflated his his yardage he was an average of 5.8 with a max of 19. He was just gashing them for six, seven yards on every play, it seemed like, in the second half, which is interesting because USC was playing from behind, and that's when their run game came alive. UCLA built a lead because USC could not run the ball, or they wouldn't run the ball, and they were getting to Slovis, and they were getting in his head, and the Trojans just didn't bother running the ball, and that gave UCLA a lead. And the 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 tides turned, and it kind of blew up in their face. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that run that run defense, but it seemed like they prepared the entire week to drop back seven to eight guys every single time Slovis had the ball. And USC took advantage of that. Fair fair play to them. But you can't blow a halftime lead like that. That's just something that you know it, it's a it's a confidence wrecker. Now you're going to the Stanford game, having blown a huge lead to USC when you could be four and two feeling like possibly the second best team in the division. I know a lot of Colorado fans will have things to say about that, especially since they beat UCLA earlier this year. But 
for the second half of that game, UCLA was the much better team. And for a lot of this season, UCLA has seemed like a better team than Colorado has. And I, I want to talk about the the special teams for a little bit because Nicholas Barmir, while he did hit a nice field goal, the special teams possibly cost the game. Um, what was Chip Kelly thinking running a fake punt near midfield with a freshman punter? It, I get it. You know, fake punts are fun. Fake punts are cool to see sometimes. But you have an 11-point lead? Or, yeah, an 11-point lead against a rival. You, you know, you're kind of chilling there. You want to pin them back. Luke Akers has been great this year pinning teams within their own 20-yard line. Why, 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 if you're going to go for it, would you do it with him back there? He looked nervous. He It looked like a broken play, but Chip Kelly confirmed that it was a fake punt attempt. If you're going to go for it, just go for it straight up. Put DTR out there. Put Dimitri Felton out there. Put Greg Dulcich out there. Put these guys that have been getting you yards for the entire first half. Get them out there and see if they can convert. At that point, you know, if DTR throws a pick, okay, that's basically a a punt at that point you know let him go deep if Dimitri Fallon gets stuffed again you know that happens but don't put it into your freshman punter's hands to try to make a a great play a demoralizing play I guess you would say if they converted it but instead it just handed the ball right back to USC and they went down and scored yeah that, that's the thing I mean I, I, I was gonna say like the Drake London long touchdown missed tackles that's bad that looks bad on the coaching staff uh, some of the decisions like the fake punt. I, I mean, you shouldn't be doing a fake punt unless you're up by four scores or down by four scores. Anything else, if you're being aggressive, just be aggressive. Don't try all this tricksy stuff. No way. You're up by, what, 11 points late in the third quarter and your biggest game of the season? Cut it out. But just the... the I, I know there were other special teams issues like that kickoff. that They should have either kicked it out of the back of the end zone and trusted their defense or just squib it make sure there's not a return instead they do exactly what you shouldn't do and they they kick it to the five and they return it to the ucla 40 42 and that i i feel like we all pretty much felt it was over after that so it's the coaching decisions going for it on fourth down and running the same play over and over again it's the personnel decisions having keegan jones in on fourth and one when you have britain brown demetric felton who you know can get that for you i mean the the thing is the hole was there for keegan jones the hole was there he was he the 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 play was run to perfection, but because you have an inexperienced running back who's pretty good, he'd had he'd made some pretty good plays throughout the course of the season when he's available. The hole was there. The offensive line did their job. Dorian Thompson Robinson did his job. Egan Jones tried busting it out to the outside, and it totally failed. And the thing is, you can blame the player, but why is he in in the first place? There, the, the coaching mishaps in this game, the timeout mismanagement at the end in the final minute. It, it, it blows my mind that Chip Kelly is making millions of dollars a year and he is making decisions that are so easy to second guess from the couch or the sideline. It's, it's not like you're looking back two days later and and having to dissect the film and X, Y, Z. Like, no, everyone knew these mistakes were evident the second they happened. It didn't take a lot of second thought. So why can't one of the highest paid, paid coaches in the country make these seemingly easy decisions that almost everyone else would be able to make. I, I don't understand it. This game and the loss and the blown lead is almost fully on the coaching staff for personnel decisions over aggression, trying to be too tricky, overplaying one thing, underplaying another. It's just a mess from top to bottom. 
And the problem is, is that we know Chip Kelly can adjust because Chip Kelly has adjusted this year. And that's what makes it so frustrating. He started going to the hurry up offense recently. And he's that offense has caused defenses fits this entire season. And it's looked good. UCLA's and it worked on the Ethan Frenia touchdown. And it worked there. And it was working a lot of this game. But we've seen it happen on fourth and one multiple times this year. It happened against Arizona at the Rose Bowl. It happened earlier in that game when Demetri Felton was there. So maybe Chip Kelly, maybe instead of on fourth and one, doing the exact same play. And yes, he did have his third string running back in there. But And yes, maybe Keegan Jones should have made it. But instead, you have one of the best running quarterbacks in the entire nation in Dorian Thompson Robinson. Maybe give him the ball and let him see what he can do. Because he, as much as I don't think he's a great passer and he doesn't make the best decisions at times, he can run the ball like no other quarterback I've seen this year. He has hurdled guys constantly. He has been one of the most elusive people in the backfield. He doesn't take many sacks which is surprising because last year it seemed like he was getting hit every two plays back there. Why not give him the chance on fourth and one to just push it over the line? I don't understand how Chip Kelly has not learned from this. You're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to make these decisions. And yes, you know, your team has looked better this year, but it's not good enough because once you set those expectations, you need to live up to them. Yeah. And that's the thing. He Chip Kelly is not the worst coach in the country. He has designed really good plays, a lot of which worked to perfection on Saturday night. He's brought in a lot of good transfers. Montrez Knight, Caleb Johnson, uh, all, all these guys, Britton Brown. Uh, I, he hasn't messed up everything, but he discounts his positives when his negatives are so glaring. He just needs to be, uh, just, he needs to design the playbook with Justin Fry and then not go to a game. Have someone else be the head coach on game day. It's the in-game management that just throws everything else out the window. You can get your, your freshmen to overperform, even though they're not highly rated. You can bring in transfers who were thrown aside or not that good at other schools and make them play better than they have in their entire career. You can take a, a young, dynamic quarterback and, and make him fit your offense. I get it. He's actually grown over the course of the season in, in ways that we are talking about after the Colorado game. But the in-game management is mind-boggling. I don't understand it, and it cost them this game on Saturday. Honestly, though, Sam, story of my life, as someone that's watched Chip Kelly for the past three years, we can say this as much as we want, but he hasn't changed, and he's not going to. With someone that has had success at Oregon and then had a little bit of success in the NFL, he's on a downward trajectory. He's not changing because he thinks his style works. And that's fine, I guess, but at some point, UCLA needs to cut him off and and say this is enough is enough and it probably won't be this year because of the massive deficit the athletics budget already has they can't afford to fire him which is another story entirely but at some point some you need to get fresh blood in here and change something because a three and three season is good because over 12 games that's a six and six year but it's not enough when you had chances to win all the other games. You had a chance to win at Oregon. You had a chance to beat USC, which in all honesty might have bought Chip Kelly an extra year if he was able to beat USC and beat them convincingly. I, at some point, something's got to change. Yep, absolutely. Like you said, this team that is three and 3-3 three right now is an onside kick against Colorado, uh, a long field goal or, or a non-pick six against Oregon 
and a kickoff return for against USC away from being six and zero. And when when you're, I I like I'll quote Bill Belichick who talked to the team after practice on on Tuesday, that when you leave play when you leave games down to one play, and it could have gone either way, you didn't do your job as a coach. So. We'll talk more about Kelly in the coming weeks. I, I assume whether or not things go well next week, the week after. Who knows? Uh, you got signing day coming up this week. There's a lot to be talking about in terms of Kelly, but we'll now move on to Dorian Thompson Robinson, the Bruins quarterback. Uh, he had four touchdowns through the air, uh, 364 passing yards. He had, I think, 12 completions in a row at one point. And even towards the end of the game, he completed eight of his last nine. He had 50 rushing yards. His passer rating was 193.8. He really had his best game as a Bruin, but he also had those two costly interceptions, one which led to a field goal in the first half and another which would have been a pick six if it hadn't been for a block in the back. And that eventually turned into six points as well. So, Jack, I'll, I'll let you take the floor first just because we talked about it a little bit earlier on. So tell me what you thought of Dorian Thompson Robinson's performance this week. Well, first of all, Dorian Thompson Robinson has been put in an almost impossible situation with this coaching staff. Chip Kelly does not know how to use him, which is very frustrating for UCLA fans because it seems like everyone else in the country would know how to use Dorian Thompson Robinson effectively. He was brought in as a dual threat quarterback. Use him as a dual threat quarterback. Roll him out. Use him in the option. Run him. He loves to run. You can tell it every time he takes off for a big run. He has a smile on his face. Use that more often. Yes, he went 30 of 36, and one of those incompletions was a, a Hail Mary where he basically said, hey, angels, please let this ball land into someone's hands. And it almost worked out. And yes, if this comes out as a victory, this is a different story. We're probably not talking about this. But he did have those two very costly picks. And that second one was so bad because we've seen this happen time and time again. He had 12 interceptions last year. He had two uh, He had two early this year, one against Colorado, where he also had a fumble, and one against Cal. And then last week against Arizona State, he played almost a mistake-free game. Other than there were a couple times where the Sun Devils had their hands on the ball and just couldn't bring it down. So when you go up against a USC team that was leading the nation in turnovers caused, this it's it's tough. I get it. You're not gonna you're probably not gonna play a perfect game, but you can't just stare down your receiver for five seconds and then throw him the ball because USC's team is too good for that. A lot of teams, especially if Dorian wants to jump up to the NFL, teams will pick that off every single time. I was watching the Chargers Falcons this weekend, and Matt Ryan did the exact same thing. And Matt Ryan is a is about 13 years into the league. People make those mistakes, but if it costs your team the game, you have to take responsibility for that. And it ultimately, it does come down to the quarterback. As much as we, you know, it does come down to Chip Kelly first and foremost. But next on that block is is Dorian Thompson Robinson. This is his team. He said he was given the keys to the offense. This is supposed to be his year and costing mistakes like that to drop a game against your biggest rival. It's, it's unacceptable. See, I, I think the criticisms that Darren Thompson Robinson is getting from, from fans for the most part, from, from certain people in the media, from other people who are paying attention to UCLA this season, it's, it's all about narratives. And, and I, I hate to be that guy, but really when else would a guy go 30 for 36 with a 138 point or 
193.8 passer rating, four touchdowns, over 350 yards, another 50 rushing yards. And people said, nah, he's not a quarterback. Or even you right now. You said he stares down receivers. He stared down receivers and it cost him once yesterday. Or on Saturday, sorry. That that interception that, that almost turned into a pick six. That his other his other interception, he looked left and faked to the to the guy in the flat and then tried going over the middle. Linebacker wasn't wasn't fooled, tipped it up to himself in the air, made a great play. I, I understand that. But I, I don't understand this notion that you are either the best or the worst. There's no middle ground. You can't be a good quarterback. You either have to be the best quarterback in the world or you suck and you should be playing a different position. And it blows my mind. Jordan Thompson Robinson rushed for 50 yards on Saturday night. He had two or three big runs that got them first downs in critical scenarios. And you're saying he's not being used as a dual threat quarterback. I I don't understand this. He played as well as he needed to outside of two plays. He had six incompletions. One was a missed defensive pass interference. One was a Hail Mary. There were the two interceptions we talked about. There was one he overthrew Phillips and that was pretty bad. And there was a pass breakup going to, to hurt. So uh, those are his only mistakes all game. He made all the right reads on the ground, made all, all the other right reads on his 30 completions. I, I don't understand why he is being tossed around for this game. I know his team lost, but a loss is a team stat, not a quarterback stat. And then you look at just, I, I'd like to draw this comparison to, to anyone from LA who watches baseball. Clayton Kershaw, let's say he's pitching against the Giants. And he goes eight innings and gets, I don't know, let's say like 17 strikeouts. He's playing an awesome game. But in the third inning and then then with two outs in the eighth, he lets up two solo home runs. That's bad. Well, let's say his offense has scored four runs. They pull him out of the game. Dodgers are up 4-2 in the ninth inning. Kenley Jansen comes in and allows a three-run homer and they lose the game. Sure, Clayton Kershaw didn't have a perfect game. If he didn't allow those two solo homers, they could have won. Are you telling me the guy who went eight deep and had almost 20 strikeouts and almost had an ERA of 2.0? you telling me that's a bad game or that it's his fault they lost? No, it's holistic. It is a team loss. And one of the last people who should be blamed is Doran Thompson Robinson. Absolutely not, Sam. Unfortunately, that's not how the game of football works. Because, yes, you have an offense and a defense, obviously, and the defense let them down. The defense let UCLA down majorly, multiple times, and the special teams let them down. But when it comes to the offense, you can't be making mistakes like that. And the problem is, if DTR was like a Keaton Slovis last year or like a Jaden Daniels where he wasn't making his mistakes often, then, yeah, this is a game that's a one-off. This is something that, you know, just happened. But this isn't the first time. In the Colorado game, he had two turnovers, and they lost by six points because those turnovers led to quick scores. This is the same thing here. I'm not saying he shouldn't be a quarterback because he's a great quarterback, and but he should be utilized more as a dual threat because that is what he is. You shouldn't be expecting him to make these tough throws. And I know we, you bring up the 30, for the 30 of 36, and a couple of those incompletions were different, but a couple of those completions were also great catches by the receivers, one of them was basically torn out of the hands of a USC guy by UCLA cat by UCLA receiver. So it can go both ways. At some point, the, the blame has to lie on someone. And yes, it should be Chip Kelly first, but Dorian Thompson Robinson needs to own up to these mistakes. And if he comes back better against Stanford this week and no turnovers like he had against Arizona State, then all the praise should be thrown onto him. But 
for a game like this, you have to put the blame on him. Well, the thing is, I, I think he is definitely taking responsibility for it. If yes, you look on, on social media and stuff, I, I think the blame from fans uh, is misplaced. I, I think you go coaching, special teams, defense. Honestly, Dimitri Felton had a fine game, but considering he's one of the most dynamic players in the Pac-12, he probably should have done better. I mean, 4.3 yards per carry is not ideal, especially when the offensive line had a pretty decent decent game. You saw Alec Anderson tossing really good blocks. Uh, you had Paul Gratton, who, who was running out, and he was making good blocks too. Dimitri Felton probably should have had a better game. Down towards the bottom, with some sliver of blame because he did have those two interceptions, is Doran Thompson Robinson. He's nowhere near the top. You can't blame a guy who threw a gem for blowing his save at the end. All I'm saying, Sam, is this has happened before, and it might happen again if he stays next year. I don't know what his plans are, but it, at at some point, UCLA fans have to find someone. And yes, they're they're way too getting on Dorian for this. This is not all his fault, and they you shouldn't obviously say anything to him on social media, basically. But at, when you're when you're watching the game and you see it's him throwing those two picks, that that's what your attention focuses on. And that's what that's what guys are going to see, and that's what defenses are going to continue to attack. Yep, but he is still a top three quarterback in the conference, and he is not the reason, the sole reason, the main reason UCLA lost by five on Saturday. So we'll move on to the Bruins' upcoming game. Uh, it got scheduled yesterday. There were rumors on Saturday night that this would be the case. Uh, UCLA is going to be playing Stanford on saturday uh it's they, they've played them every year since i don't know it's been 80 80 plus years it was looking like they weren't going to play this year just because of covid and the way the crossovers worked but ucla already played cal oregon is busy in the pac-12 championship game they already played them and washington can't play it's messy and somehow it worked out that ucla and stanford get to continue their rivalry game jack let me know what you're looking forward to in this game. I would just like to first say that I called it before the season. If you go back on our past passes. <laughs> I said Stanford week seven. Yes, Sam said Cal, and we did play Cal. So it kind of worked out for both of us. But I said I was I, right first. Yes, yeah, Sam was right first, but I eventually got there. Uh, from the Stanford team, you don't really you don't really know what to expect. They've seemed out of sorts. There's some games where they seem so dominant, and some games where they just look like they're taking ten steps backwards. Now, UCLA came out as the favorites this week, but the same could be said when they played Colorado, and look how that game went. If UCLA avoids turnovers, and we could say it every single week, if they avoid turnovers, they avoid turnovers, they'll, they'll come out of this game pretty handedly, pretty easy winners. Because this Stanford team is not the Stanford teams of the past that we've seen. Uh, UCLA finally broke their long losing streak to Stanford last year with DTR at quarterback, which was great as a UCLA fan because that wasn't something Josh Rosen could do. That wasn't something Brett Hundley could do. So that's a huge confidence boost for DTR. He shouldn't come into this game nervous of Stanford at all. And UCLA should run out the winners. I don't think Stanford has anyone on that team that's better than anyone that UCLA has faced this year. I mean, quarterback situation, Keen Slope is probably going to be the best quarterback UCLA faces all season, barring someone possibly in a bowl game, but I doubt there's many better than Slovis out there right now. They're not going to see an air raid attack like that. Stanford should be a pretty easy out. Now, 
you don't want to get too overconfident. Stanford hasn't been able to practice at their own home field in a while. So they are kind of the traveling nomads, but they haven't played badly. They played well up in Washington. They beat a good Washington team. But coming down to L.A. on kind of a short notice, I guess they 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 all have the same amount of time, but UCLA is the better team. And UCLA, if they take it seriously and if they actually come out and don't have a hangover from that USC game, they should be able to take this one. What are your thoughts, Sam? Yeah, I just want to talk about what, what you touched on a little bit towards the end there. Stanford has been practicing in public parks. They've been hopping around from one city to the other. They, they, they can't go home. They can't go to Stanford just because of COVID regulations in in the area. And that, that's got to weigh a lot on them. So I really, I don't want to say they're checked out because that makes it seem intentional or purposeful, but they are just... It's it's not a good look for them right now, just because of the, the situation they're in, and it's really not their fault. I mean, you look at the similar thing happened with the 49ers. They're playing more games in Arizona than the Cardinals are. So it, it's, stuff happens. It's going to be weird, and uh, it's obviously not going to work to, to Stanford's advantage. And UCLA, even though they did blow an 18-point lead, there were a lot of positives to come out of that game, and the offense should have good momentum. The defense should be looking for a, a bounce back game and to stay aggressive. Special teams should definitely be looking for a bounce back game. And Chip Kelly, I would like to think, ha- has a had used Saturday's loss to to shape his game plan. So yeah. there, there's a lot that works in UCLA's favor. And I, I, I talk about the quarterback battle every week, but Davis Mills, even though he came in as a highly rated prospect, is just fine this year he was it was almost better last year depending on how you look at it his completion percentage is about the same but his yards per attempt and adjusted yards per attempt are are both down they're they're both below eight this year uh he hasn't thrown a pick but he's only thrown four touchdowns so how much of a threat is he really uh, you look at the quarterbacks that have beat ucla this year it's Keaton slovis it's uh it's shuck from oregon uh and then uh, Sam Neuer from Colorado, all, all three of which have been putting up much better stats than, than Davis Mills this year. And Mills, he's not much of a dual threat. He has three rushing touchdowns, but only 25 rushing yards this year. So I don't really know what he can do to your defense that that they haven't really seen before or haven't been able to defend before. Yeah, I really hope Chip Kelly takes this opportunity because who knows what's going to happen with the Bulls this year. UCLA still needs to win another game to be bowl eligible. And even then, there's only four Pac-12 bowl tie-ins as of now, unless USC makes the college football playoff somehow. Um, Then there will be five spots for Pac-12 teams, probably. But it's all up in the air. So if this is your last game, and it's against the Stanford team, and you do go up by a bit, take some risks. Try something new. Experiment for next year, because that's what this year should have been, is just an experiment for next year. This is a launching-off point for Chip Kelly. His first two years have been really bad in Westwood. This third year has been okay, but that loss to USC showed you that there's still a long way to go for UCLA. So take this opportunity to bounce back, be a Stanford team, and for Chip Kelly to go 2-1 and one against Stanford is amazing. That would be a huge boost for UCLA fans that have spent years losing to Stanford over and over and over again and try something new. Sam, as we're running out of time here, what is your score prediction for the game? Um, 
I'll go. Let me see. I think UCLA is six and a half point favorites right now when we're recording this live. Um, I, I'll take UCLA to win and to cover. I'll say the score ends up being, and this UCLA offense is playing really, really well. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say they score 37 and Stanford scores 20. I'll, I'll take them by 17. It's a pretty big margin, but it's not really Stanford's year. They they have a lot of interference going on. UCLA lost to Stanford for 11 years in a row before last year, and then they beat them by 18. Don't think they win by as much, but at home, I think I'll, I'll still take them by double digits. And I, I think I think they'll win the game. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm not going to go by as that that big of a margin. I'm going to go 31-17 because I think UCLA will get up by a couple of scores and then kind of go in cruise control. And it won't, it won't really be a, a very entertaining game in the second half is what I'm thinking. But I want Nicholas Barmira, who I feel like I give a lot of praise to him because he's been so good this year. Give him an opportunity to kick a 50-plus, Chip Kelly, because he said he's comfortable from 55 in. And both of his kick against USC was amazing. It looked perfect the whole way there. 43 yards for a redshirt freshman to kick in the last minute of a rivalry game was beautiful to see. So give him the chance to go 50-plus. Again, treat this as an experiment, but ultimately the goal is to go out and win, and I think UCLA will be able to do that. Yeah, and and you were saying how how you want them to experiment. I'm kind of in the opposite boat. They need to just keep the the pedal to the metal, go and win. It's not about experimenting. No, you're going to finish over 500 this year. You're going to go to a bowl. That's what's on the line. And I, I don't want them taking anything for granted or messing around doing any more stupid fake punts. So... Thank you so much for joining us this week on Bruin Dash. Just want to give a quick shout out to Sports Pack 12. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Sports Pack 12. They publish all of the written content uh, that, that we produce here at Dash Sports TV. Uh, anytime Jack or I uh, write a column about UCLA football, you can find it online there. There'll be links to it on our site at uh, dashboards.tv, and you can follow us on Twitter at Dash Sports TV. My name's Sam Conan. You can follow me at Sam Conan on Twitter. You can follow Jack at Jack C. Perez. So with all that out of the way, Jack, thanks so much for joining me ahead of the regular season finale. I'm so glad to be here, Sam. Hopefully we're back here talking again next week about a win. Hopefully. So you can catch Jack uh, on, uh, I, I think it'll be a Bruin Dash episode with the guys from Cardinal Dash. Uh, we'll work that out. That'll be on Friday. So stay tuned for that. And until then, and until next week's show, thanks for joining us. See you later.